everybody and welcome to the Russian and Ranting podcast. My name is Joseph and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Scott Stapley and Ollie Mortimer. Unfortunately, Alex isn't with us today, but fingers crossed he'll be back for the next episode. Guys, great to see you as always. How are we both doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. How are you, Ollie? Yeah, really well. Thank you, Joseph. Glad that you're well and that Scott's well as well. And uh, yeah, looking forward to this episode. Let's get into today's podcast then, episode six, I believe we're on now, and we're back with another guest. Today we'll be joined by the lead chaplain of the chaplaincy team, Canon Roger Knight. Since the foundation of AFC RD in 2011, the club has carried on its tradition of having a club chaplain, a tradition which was, of course, started um, during the original Russian and Diamonds. Now, given the size of the club, it's worth noting that what was an area with just one chaplain has gone on to become an entire chaplaincy team. And of course, we're very fortunate to have some fantastic people working in this area. So a huge thank you to those who are a part of it. Scott, can you tell us more about the Diamonds Chaplaincy team and what they get up to? Yeah, I mean, they a lot of their um, a lot of their work actually is not really seen by the fans. It happens behind the scenes, and because a lot of it happens, is done in confidence. Um, they're there to support and help people. Um, if anybody's got any questions or queries or concerns in the who are fans or even on the wider, you know community who are connected to the club in some fashion um, they can go and approach people like Roger and all some of the other guys on the um, Chaplinson team which so we're going to go into when we discuss it with Roger um, just to you know as a point of contact um, point of contact and somebody to talk to in confidence which given obviously the current situation in especially around mental health is really really important that people have that outlet and somebody to know they can go and talk to. Ollie, I think as a society, we've become more aware when it comes to concepts like mental health and well-being in recent times. And when you consider what's happened over the last year with the pandemic and the consequences that have come with that, it's important to highlight the importance of, you know, people opening up and speaking out when they need support, isn't it? so important. You know, you can't underestimate how significant that is, you know, not just over the the last year but especially in 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 recent years when you 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 see quite often in the news and on social media about people who have taken their own lives obviously um you know fans of afcrd and fans of rdfc we've we've experienced that ourselves with the tragic passing of dale roberts back in 2010 i know roger um had a big role to play in terms of the support of the players the staff and fans and everybody involved with the club after that as well so it'd be lovely to to hear from him on that but yeah to to have that help and support at the club not just for people involved with the club but for people you know it might be friends of fans or family of fans or whoever it might be um you know for that help and support for them as well is, is is so integral i know roger's been involved with the chaplaincy side and with rushton for a number of years so i'm really looking forward to to hearing some of his stories his anecdotes his examples of how he's helped and supported so many people down the years but how the chaplaincy team have done that as well um and i think it's a perfect opportunity to focus on a part of a club that helps so many people but that's not often spoken about and as scott mentioned you know with the increased focus on mental health and, and well-being um especially you know during the covid19 pandemic um it'll be great to hear from roger about how um the chaplaincy team can can help and support so many people out there yeah completely agree 100 percent. well without any further ado let's get straight into it this is canon roger knight here on the russian and ranting podcast Make their move. A lot of movement inside that penalty area. A free header and an equalising goal. It's been scored by Stuart Wadley. 
No wonder the manager is happy. Stuart Wardley, who made his long move from Queen's Park Rangers, a permanent move this week, has answered the face shown in him by Brian Talbot by getting the equalising goal now for Ashton and Diamonds. We really appreciate having your time today. How are you keeping at the moment? Everything okay? Yeah, that, yes, thank you for inviting me. Um, yes, I, I've um, I've had some uh, ill health, as you may know. I had a heart operation last year, mm -hmm. and I also had another spell in hospital because I'm a, a di I just got a medal for I've been sixty years a diabetic on insulin. So um, I got I'm not going to wear it on match days, but um, I've mm -hmm. uh, I've achieved something and. Uh, so for 79, I'm fairly fit, really, or, you know, pretty fit. Oh, it's great to see you looking well. Um, as we've done with all of our guests so far, let's take you back to the start of your footballing journey. What was yeah. it that got you into football and, and why did you choose to follow, you know, the original Russian Diamonds as it was back then? Well, um, I thought, first of all, I've always been a, a keen football uh, fan. I was, um, I played a bit at school um, my father used to take me along to watch Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Boscombe Athletic in those days. And um, the day Manchester United knocked us out in the sixth round of the cup, I was there. Um, and uh, that was about 1957, I think. And uh, in those days, Bournemouth never did anything. They were just stuck in, in, uh, uh, in the third division south. Um, so that was, that was the first interest. Um, and then at school, um, I was because I was always one of the. I was always they didn't have subs benches in those days, but I was always basically on the bench for the school team. So I played very occasionally when somebody was injured or had to go to have tea with their aunt. Um, and uh, we had a uh, one of the teachers who um, in my my school we had a uh, once a fortnight we had a couple of hours on a Friday afternoon where we could do a hobby and uh, he said would I like to do a referees course so um, I qualified as a referee at um, the tender age of 16 and uh, unlike today where the the young refs get plenty of practice refereeing um, school but you know boys and girls football um, in those days I went straight into the Bournemouth supplementary league division three uh, with full-grown adults, most of whom had just come straight out of the pub. And so I, <laughs> I, I grew up fairly quickly, really. And then I carried on doing that. Uh, the refereeing carried on for several years. And, um, uh, but I gave up when I turned my collar around and had to take weddings on Saturdays because all refereeing was on Saturdays in those days. And um, I, um, I, I had to give up. And um, I then... I played a bit of football and I captained the, the theological college. Uh, I was at Lincoln. I captained their their um, football team as well. That doesn't say very much because we got hammered by most people, but it was uh, enjoyable. So I've I've always had an involvement. And then just coming right up to diamonds, um, I always try. I had the great advantage of always being able to have a, a club nearby that I could actually walk to. So. Bournemouth ground I could walk to it used to be called Dean Court in those days and then when my mother died I moved to Portsmouth and I was within walking distance to Fratton Park 
And um, I, so I used to go there occasionally. But in those days, I was refereeing every Saturday. Uh, although I did have the also, also, I think, the privilege of um, I've refereed at both Dean Court and Tratton Park, uh, only a junior cup final or something of that sort. But I have actually officiated there and been in the dressing room. So, um, so that's it. And then right up to date for Diamonds, um, when I became um, rector of Earthlingville in 1989, um, I was spotted watching, um, I think it was the last game of Earthlingville Diamonds. And um, I was invited into the boardroom and um, Max Griggs, who you all remember, who was the, uh, you know, the man who spent 30 million to build Nen Park. Um, he um, decided that he was trying, he was setting up a new club and he, he wanted to appoint one or two uh, honorary vice presidents. And uh, he took a shine to me and said, would I like to uh, become an honorary vice president? which took me about two minutes to agree to. And um, so, as you, you've probably heard me say before, um, for 11 seasons, I watched um, every home game at Men Park and had a meal before the game for free. And uh, I became chaplain uh, uh, in a practical way because, uh, sadly, somebody who died at the... Uh, and this is the... This is a little bit of... Uh, this it sounds like a joke, but it is actually true. Um, the um, a, a man died when he was watching a game, and um, at the next um, board meeting a few days later, the club secretary reported what happened. He said, "Well, this was a sad event, and the club doctor certified that the man had died, but uh, we didn't know what to do with his wife. We stuck her in a room and gave her a cup of tea." Somebody else said, "Well, perhaps we ought to have a chaplain." And um, somebody else said, well, let's ask Roger to do it. And this is absolutely true. I turned up to the next home game and there was my name in the Diamonds programme. Um, Roger Knight, club chaplain, and chaplain was spelt, as you probably heard, as in Charlie. The true story, though. And so I, I literally fell into chaplaincy, really. And I've been, that was 25 years ago now, or more than that, actually. Yeah. Did it take you long to adapt to the role of club chaplain, Roger, or did you uh, kind of adapt to it straight away? Well, I adapted to it because um, I joined the, um, the Chaplaincy Association, which is there's about 400 of us in all kinds of sport, um, from cage fighting to football and rugby. And um, so we had a, and still have an annual conference, and now we have international conferences as well via Zoom. But um, I, so I, I, I went into that and um, again, the club supported me because um, I was, they, they used to um, often fund the, um, uh, the, the, the trip to the conference, which was about um, four days <coughs> at about at Lilshaw, which used to be the National Sports Training Centre. I don't know whether it still is actually in Shropshire, but you might have heard of it. But um, so uh, I went to that and um, they all, because we in those days we had regional chaplains meetings um, and we our clubs were asked if we'd be willing to host them and provide lunch. And uh, of course, diamonds being diamonds um, always did that without exception. And um, so a lot of my colleagues um, who I 
I only met in that context, um, you know, actually have been to Nen Park, as many people, well, you, I'm sure you know that um, many people share the sadness about the, the ending of Nen Park because a lot of them, including people who, who are not at all connected with sport, they've actually been there for particular meetings. And um, that's how some of the income came into the club. Although, unfortunately, not enough to keep the club going in the days when the fans took over. And by Peters. Well, they're being held surely by Griffiths. And they're back. It's Gary Butterworth. Another stunning goal. A look of disbelief. Next of the Rochdale goalkeeper, Neil Edwards. Well seemed to be held there by Griffiths, but it didn't matter. It was a thunderbolt from Gary Butterworth. Did so well to keep that down. It's 2-2. No, definitely, Roger. I mean, um, when you go up and down the country, when you talk about Rushton, they usually hear about the old club, um, and they'll say, oh, do you mean Rushton and Diamonds? It's always had that association. Oh yes, how much of an effect it's had on on the wider community now. Now that most yeah. people have heard of Rushton and Diamonds when you mention Rushton, and so many people have told me over the years that um, you know if they've been away on holiday and um, they say well, where where do you come from and they say Northamptonshire and they say oh, oh have you heard of Rushton and Diamonds and people you know people say well yes I'm a fan you know <laughs> what you mean. Um... Standout memories from the old club, Roger. I know it's very difficult to to maybe only pick two or three moments, but especially with how many years you were involved with the old club. But um, what what were your main memories um, fr- from the old club? Well, my main my main memories were um, certain individuals. Um, I mean, I had a bit to do with a Andy Lowe that I won't actually talk about, but um, he asked me to speak for him in court. Uh, although they decided not to call me. Um, but so that's enough to say about that. And um, I, uh, when I lived in Higham after I retired, um, the house next to us, um, when it was sold, was bought by the club. And so there were often two of the players um, there. And uh, I can't think of his name now, but he was a very good striker who came from Bury. You, you'll perhaps remember his name. And, oh, wow. Uh, I don't think he ever played for us, actually. Gareth Seddon? Gareth Seddon, yeah. Yeah, yeah yes. He, actually, he did He did recover, didn't he? And went back into... That's it. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, but um, so I had those sort of, of good contacts there. Um, several people, of course, within the club who were very significant um, that I, I knew quite well. And um, uh, the... the um, uh, apart from the... Um, um, our, our goalkeeper's suicide, you know, which was a particularly dramatic thing, which you want to come to later on, I think. But um, um, and uh, people like uh, um, a very good um, link with me, which um, is a is a good pattern for chaplaincy everywhere. Really, is that um, as as you know, and probably most people know, and the uh, the uh, the expectations for chaplaincy, the eight of them for anybody who wants to look at them. Are actually on the, under chaplaincy on the on the website, 
But I, I mean, the, the, the first one is the main one, really, to meet the identified pastoral needs of players, coaches, staff and fans. So that's one of the most interesting things. And for me, it's a bit like being uh, just what a parish priest does, because uh, as an Anglican priest, I'm in theory, or what I was when I was um, in uh, uh, full time, uh, I have a, a responsibility for anybody who lives in wherever you're rector of. Uh, so I was rector of Irving, but not rector of St. Peter's Church, Irving, but although that's the place where I operated, um, you know, to go and help them. So um, I, I used to remember on a Saturday afternoon at one o'clock, I used to say to my wife, I'm off to work now and uh, see you at six o'clock, you know, and it was, it was, uh, she used to rather smirk at me, but um, I was being factual because, and a lot of the people, um, although funny, interestingly enough, um, the majority of our fans, as I think is generally known, um, certainly in those days, lived in the, in Rushton. And uh, although there's a proportion who lived in Earthingborough, um, it was much smaller than I thought it was, considering that Nen Park was right in Earthingborough and, you know, we could walk to the ground and um, and they, for some some of them, it was too far to walk. And that's uh, that was another issue when the fans took over that the we had a job getting the pub out, the, you know, the strike, you remember the strikers bar? Yeah. Um, getting that used because, um, you know, the the Earthingborough people said, oh, it's too far to walk, which was ridiculous, really. Um, I remember the several big events at, um, I mean, there was a huge event at Nen Park when um, uh, uh, um, VJ Day, um, I forget which year it was now, but there was a, a huge county event there. Um, there was um, the Prince Charles once came, uh, although I wasn't able to be there for that. And um, uh, somebody got into trouble because they forgot to invite the chairman of the uh, town council to welcome him. But um, anyway, there were several big events like that there. And uh, you do you remember Simon Parcell? Yeah, the, the physio. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Simon was our um, phys. And um, as I was just beginning to, to say that um, a key member of staff for the um, for any chaplain really is the fizz because um the fizz a good fizz anyway will alert the chaplain or chaplains to people who in any particular need so um you know it might be somebody who's sort of in trouble uh, as with a nandy low although it was it wasn't it was actually a nandy low himself who asked me to speak for him but um or it would be often say a, a young player who um you know, lost it, a relative, and um, uh, or had wasn't wasn't very happy at home. Or we had a lot of young players, of course, who left home and um, you know were living in digs or or um, uh, living, you know, in um, uh, uh, Mrs. Thompson. You know, she used to put up people in her house, I think, didn't she, in Russian? Yeah. And uh, so a lot of a lot of links like that, and um, the other huge advantage which i find is much more difficult nowadays because our players of course are all part-time um i um uh, every week uh, usually on a thursday but um sometimes at other occasions if necessary i used to go down to the ground to the you know, the splendid um uh, canteen there and i used to have lunch with the players 
and occasionally play table tennis with them. And uh, even more vigorous games, sometimes they try to get me to play until I got too old. But um, uh, so it was a chance to meet them and chat to them. And um, I even did bizarre things like, because um, they, you know, professional football is always hard up. Um, I used to take the evening telegraph in and the, cop- the reports of the match because they never seemed to be able to afford that, but they always wanted to read about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's, a, that's true, actually, but it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, anyway, that's that's life, really. But uh, uh, so a lot of a lot of those pastoral contacts, and in the modern world, again, it's not it's no nobody's fault. But um, our uh, our fizzes, um, you know, since we've been a non-league club, have been a a lot younger, b um, probably less qualified, and c um, I found one most of them hard to convince that. Um, you know, learning about the sort of sports science and the psychological uh, stuff that goes on um, is, you know, is a part of the physio's work. And um, one or two physios I know, experiences as I know in other clubs, um, have, um, have supported chaplaincy because they say that um, often in the club, you know, the manager is, the gaffer is concerned with the, the coaches about how, you know, performance on the pitch. But chaplains are, A, they're in confidence, so um, they can say whatever they like to us in total confidence. And um, B, they're, they're there to, um, uh, to not, you know, not only, not only to listen, but to point people. I mean, we're not, um, we're not psychologists, but we, and we're, we're not, although some of us have had training in me- basic mental health, we're not uh, mental health nurses either, so not, certainly not um, specialists. But, um, our, so our, but our theory is, um, you know, we might not know exactly what to do, but we know who to ask and we, you know, we can consult with other people. And Simon Parcell was very much into that. And um, there's been one or two, what was his name, Stuart Wood, who used to be the chaplain at Cambridge United, um uh this is vaguely connected with um with our goalie as well um he was um he was very he had a very good link with his physio and um i forget now what what his name there was a they had a i think he was a assistant manager or um who was all, also had a link with us um who actually uh, this this chaplain at cambridge united did sort of say to me about um uh, 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 about um, that, you know, our, our goalie who sadly took his life, um, that um, you know he was he he felt he was a bit off off form in terms of um, you know his attitude, and um, so although it it was a huge shock to me like everyone else when that when that event happened happened, I did actually I was actually asked if I could try and engage him in a uh, in um, with Dale in a conversation and. Um, I'm afraid as so often, and this is a huge lesson really for all, especially young men, uh, you know, they're not very good at sharing their thoughts really. They they bottle it all up. And um, you know, as far as we know, that's what happened with Dale as well, really. And then of course there was the uh, loss of his place in the England team and uh, it, it, so it was um you know that that's how that sort of led into that as well, which was the was obviously a very big event. That was back in uh, 2010, wasn't it? Do you think? Yes, December yeah. 2010. Yeah. 
Roger, Sports Chaplaincy has been coordinated by Sports Chaplaincy UK, and you, and you mentioned Mind there as well. When you consider the funding available in the game today, would you like to see more of it perhaps going towards these organisations to help supplement the support available for people? Yes, well, I mean, the, as as you know, the the subject of uh, how money is spent in football is, uh, you know, is a massive one, isn't it? Really, and um, I share. I mean, I I think I think it was uh, one of the best bits of news. Really, was the um, the big six, so called, making such a cock up of um, the European Super League, really, and uh, yeah. you know, I think uh, um, you know it should increase our attendances, shouldn't it, next season? But <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, go to no, go to your local club. But I, I, and I, I, I speak as somebody who's um, always been able to go and watch my local club. And um, uh, to be honest, I during lockdown, I got a bit fed up with um, you know watching the Chelsea's and the Manchester United and so on. However good the football is, and um, I the last few weeks, uh, one of our my fellow fans has bought me a. Um, a, a ticket to some non-league games, so I, um, you know, I, I watched a Vars game last Saturday, uh, but um, uh, although they don't have the score in the top corner, which is annoying when you turn it on late. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, and that is nil-nil at the end. I had to wait for the non-league paper to find out that it was a, they lost on penalties, five-four. <laughs> <laughs> So there's some modern, there's there's still some modern bits, um, which it probably did need actually. Well, just that's to... right. But I mean, in terms of funding, um, and it's the same in a way, a more controversial issue in a way, the same with the, uh, the the heading the ball issue. Um, I, I mean, the the PFA, which is a very wealthy organisation, has actually been, um, probably a bit slow in actually funding that, although they claim to have done it, and um. I, over the years, I've come across one or two players who, um, you know, frankly, I'm, I remember one, I forget who it was now, it doesn't matter, I won't say the name, I wouldn't say the name, even if I could remember. But I remember um, somebody who was in, in difficulty and ringing the PFA to, um, you know, commend him. And, uh, well, I won't say they didn't want to know, but they were most unhelpful, really. And they never, they didn't know who I was, and they didn't, they never seemed to have heard of a chaplain. And I, you know, I said, well, you know, aren't you supposed to care for your players? And that was that wound them up the wrong way. But, <laughs> but because um, we, we've always, I mean, certainly when we're a professional club, and I, I think it's still the case now, um, every club had a, a representative um, on the, um, uh, you know, rep, a PFA representative. Yeah. And, um, and that's another thing I got involved in. I remember, uh, again, the name's gone, I'm afraid, but I remember being invited to um, one of our players got married in Gillingham in Kent. And um, I was invited to go and um, bless his marriage. And um, that was an interesting trip as well. But I mean, that was something that um, uh, wasn't, you know, I did, that didn't involve a coach trip. But no, simply I, I was on holiday and came back via Gillingham. But, where I used to live, funny enough, too, as well. And I knew the local chaplain, too. So um, it's um, that's something else I enjoyed about chaplaincy, that it's actually brought me in touch with um, a lot of other people that otherwise I wouldn't have met. And um, we have a chaplain's group in, in, in Northamptonshire, and um, the chairman of Sports Chaplaincy UK um, happens to be... Um, 
uh, the 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 the, uh, the chaplain at um, uh, at the cricket club, Northampton Cricket Club, and he used to be he used to be the chaplain at Wasps. But it's so it, it's across all the sports and um, uh, people like John Boyers, who's a, a famous chaplain at Manchester United, who in some ways pioneered chaplaincy and has written books on it. Um, and um, one book that I've written a chapter on as well, actually, in the link between chaplaincy and refereeing. And um, so it's brought you in touch with all kinds of people like that who are... Um, and uh, another uh, another little story, if you don't mind, uh, is that um, the um, sometimes people like bishops um, like to sort of um, have a say in who's the chaplain of a particular club. But um, unless you were uh, Ken, Ken Baker, who died not very long ago, was the chaplain at Cobblers and Aston Villa, and he always used to say uh, he was appointed, uh, he, uh, he was the only one who could be chaplain at Villa because uh, God appointed him. And he was talking about a man called Doug Ellis, who you may have heard of, the famous man who used to run, you know, Mr. Villa. And, um, but um, the, the other the other thing that I recall about somebody who was uh, back in the day was he was the um, chaplain at Newcastle United. And when they were a much uh, more successful, uh, he um, he 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 moved jobs. So he, he moved a, vic a vicar. He moved into the the next diocese, into Durham diocese, and the the bishop, his outgoing bishop, Bishop of Newcastle, said, "Would he go and see him?" And when he turned up, uh, the bishop said, uh, "He said, oh, he said, I, I, I've asked, I've, I've called you, David, to ask your advice about who the next chaplain of Newcastle United to, should be." and uh, and David said, uh, I said, I had to say to him, my Lord, uh, the appointment is not in your gift. It's down to the chairman of Newcastle United. And, um, and in a way, that's how I came about it, because Max Griggs um, appointed me and I presume he consulted other people. But um, uh, in, I mean, history, in life of chaplaincy, there are some clubs who, who um, uh, you know, know somebody and appoint somebody. There are some clubs who desperately look for somebody and can't find anybody. And uh, the vast majority of clubs um, don't know anything about it at all and are not really interested. So one of the things I try to do is to um, make contact. The, the few chaplains that are in non-league football um, uh, are... Um, you know, we, we try and sort of support each other. And Jez Safford, who is um, uh, um, uh, actually um, chaplain of the Saints and also chaplain at uh, the Poppies as well, but that's another subject, although I was involved in that, funny enough. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I, I <laughs> just, it just, uh, this again is an actually true story. Uh, um, the John Boyers, who I mentioned earlier, was um, trying to get somebody in at, um, Rockingham Road for years and uh, they didn't want to know and um, uh, when when I um, uh, well this is about 10 years ago um, the the local vicar in Kettering said he wanted to do some get more involved in what was going on in his parish and I so I put before him the idea that um, well have you ever I you know, do you like football and he said not very much I said well that's no excuse I said you know, why don't you why don't you offer to um, you know, take an interest in what goes on in Rockingham Road. So he, he 
he, I think he did. He certainly thought about it, and um, but um, it, it no, nothing really came of it. And then, um, uh, but the, there was a meeting actually, funny enough, in Burton Asimov Cricket Club where um, I was invited to go along to this meeting. It was somebody from Kestering Town who came to give a talk on how to run a, a non-league football club. And um, when the questions followed, it was almost as if I, I, I'd put this bloke up to it, but, but I hadn't. A Methodist guy who I know stood up and said, um, yes, he said, can I ask you? He said, why, why, uh, why, why have the diamonds got a chaplain and uh, the poppies haven't? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, it looks as though it was a planted question, but it honestly, it honestly wasn't. Anyway, that led to a, a bit more thought and um, an infamous chairman at, at Kettering um, uh, when we played the Poppies, actually, when they beat us too, actually, at 2-1 at Men Park, you might have been there. And the Bishop of Peterborough was, was present. Um, and, and I remember the um, somebody from our club said, oh, we're not going to invite you again. Uh, and uh, anyway, the, um, the, the secretary of Kettering Town at the time, who, li who lived and probably still does live in Burton Altima, and to my total amazement, came up to me at um, one Saturday morning at the farmer's market and said, can I ask you a question, Roger? And I said, yeah, of course you can. He said, he said, would you consider being the poppy's chaplain? He said, <laughs> and I said, well, I said, um, I said, I, I, I am honoured to be asked, but I said, are you sure you're asking me? I said, you know, I, uh, A, I can't get the time to it. B, um, it you know, one or two of our fans might be very pleased. And I said, above all, I know your fans won't be pleased, but I said, um, uh, I know a man who might do it. Now, um, Jez Safford had just arrived in Burton Latimer, and I knew he was keen on sport. And in fact, I first met Jez Safford at Men Park because he used to come to games and he used to be in the Kimberley suite at lunchtime. And um, so, um, I put it before Jez and he, he said yes. So um, that's how that came about. So I was indirectly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, know, I don't know whether that ought to be divulged. But no, is I not, I'm not ashamed of it. No, <laughs> no it would have been a bigger worry if they'd managed to um, steal you away from us. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the only trouble is we, you know, we sometimes have a, and the last time we played the Poppies, you remember that infamous game when we got beaten on Boxing Day? Do you remember that? Um, yeah, 2-1. Yeah, 2-1, yeah. Because yeah. uh, we played well, actually, and uh, that oh, that very good forward, they decided them older shot. I mean, uh, our um, sort of you know, stand-in number five kept it, uh, you know, made sure he was substituted. But... Um, Anyway, uh, and the excuse was there were so many there, I couldn't get to it. I'd arranged with Jess to go into the boardroom at half time, but one of the stewards wouldn't allow me to. So um, uh, I don't go to that in the park very much. But... Although it's no. my local ground. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, one of, I'm one of these people who goes to watch football, even if it's on the park, you know, I... And I, I don't, uh, I don't, I can, I can watch, I can appreciate it at all levels. I think. So, with Diamonds fans looking forward to this tie for a number of weeks, over 800 fans packed into the ground.
and it was the Diamonds who started this game right at just six minutes on the clock when goalkeeper Tom Cross had a huge clearance. Alfie Taylor controlled it, and even though it looks as if it might have taken a deflection off Career's hand, Taylor calmly stroked the ball into the back of the net. Fast City keeper Barrett to give Diamonds the lead. And it was certainly deserved at that stage. Plenty of attacks would continue in the first half. Roger, you mentioned about how your role in chaplaincy just sort of came about, really. But as, as time's gone on, have you naturally sort of gravitated more towards pers uh, pastoral care? And did Dale's story in particular make you feel more passionate about supporting people, you know, not just in football, but within the community? Well, yes. Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, uh, I, um, uh, I've never regretted falling into chaplaincy. And as I said earlier, um, it's it, for me. It's uh, um, it hasn't been any hardship. It's it's actually brought several perks, but I haven't done it for that reason. But it, it's fitted in with the um, the natural um, work that I've done anyway as a parish priest, really. So um, it's you know it's part of my um, being really to be helpful where I can be, and I, I'm not saying I can always be helpful, and sometimes. Um, it's inappropriate and I, I'm, I've also had the great advantage of being able to do it locally because some people in chaplaincy situations, you know, do have a 20 mile drive, drive before they get to the training ground and some tra training grounds are that distance away anyway. But uh, so it's, um, it, it's been something I've, and it's something really I've learned as I've gone along and, uh, because the Chaplaincy Association puts on training courses, and um, my um, my biggest frustration, really, uh, uh, which has been going on now for about three or four years, is that um, as I got older, I um, I I realised that um, I need to start thinking about somebody to take over from me and to share the work, and um, so far nothing has. Um, come about in, as far as that is concerned although there's been a good outcome to that because initially I was looking for somebody else who was a um, priest or minister male or female uh, but um, uh, unfortunately you know I haven't, haven't come across anybody but um, the and the feelers I put out haven't actually uh, materialized but um, as a result of that um, I started to speak to one or two people in the in the club um, who I thought might possibly be interested who are not not ordained people but are you know have a faith of their own and um, and so um, uh, uh, and sadly one of them has just um, had to resign because of work in the church but so um, we ended up very happily with um, with um, Doug um, uh, Palmer who I'm sure you all know and um, uh, Zena Gregory, um, who is also the has the advantage of being a, um, a Samaritan, and um, uh, and Bruce as well, um, who um, is um, of the Jewish faith. So we're um, we're actually a sort of uh, multi-faith group in a way, um, and um, that's a an area that's being developed so um, and as I say our ministry is basically to listen where uh, the phrase is we're um, 
pastorally pastorally reactive um, rather than um, proactive. So we're not there to Bible bash or you know, talk about how if people want to talk about their beliefs and so on. We're happy to do that, but we're fundamentally there just to listen to people in confidence and to treat everybody the same and to try to relate to the different um, groups. Um, and so inevitably, it, it's less so in non-league football, but it's the players, it's the staff. Um, and over the years, I've been involved in a lot of um, funeral situations and things like that, and occasional weddings with fans. And, um, uh, you know, most of the fans, um, well, not no, I would say most, but many of the fans know me. And um, I, I'm also, um, uh, as an individual, I'm passionately committed to the idea of um, fans' own football clubs. And um, I was, um, I don't know if any, anybody, or you're far too young, but whether any of you were there at that infamous meeting when the, when the first trust was formed, were you there? No. Oh, I'm a little bit too young for that. You're too young. You're, yeah, I know you're. I'm too young, and the other two are definitely too young. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, 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 there was a meeting in the Kimberley suite to when Max Griggs, you know, said, "Here's a million and a half. Get on and do it." And yeah. um, I was asked by um, the chairman. We had two supporters clubs in those days. I was <clears throat> asked by the chairman to would I chair the meeting because I was. Um, you know, I chaired other meetings and uh, they thought as I was chaplain, I, I might be respectable. And it was absolutely packed, the Kim Kimberley Suite. And um, uh, there were one or two uh, acrimonious people there who wanted to carry on arguments about, you know, the, from the past. And uh, so I started by blowing the whistle and um, kept them all, yeah, tried to keep them in order. And um, anyway, at the end of the meeting, uh, we had somebody from the Cobblers Trust who gave us advice about because, as you know, probably Northampton Town were the first supporters trust, I think, to be formed in the early 1990s. Yeah, and that's it. Um, uh, this guy came along and, um, you know, answered people's questions and said that, you know, once you if you become and you, you people, you, you know, Scott, you know, this in particular, uh, once you become a, um, uh, one of the uh, board of a uh, trust uh you know every day of the week is something to do with football whether you like it or not and, yeah. and anyway we we decided to, to as a meeting there was a huge majority in favor of setting up the trust and um uh, uh one of my methodist colleagues um uh, uh who, who you may remember um was um uh, used to be the methodist minister in rushton uh he um uh, he, uh, at the end, they, I said, well, you know, who, we need to set up this this board, this committee, and uh, can I have nominations for chairman? And uh, he, he said, I nominate you, Mr. Chairman. And so I, I said, uh, oh, all right. I said, uh, you know, I was surprised. Because, uh, I mean, in those, that first board, there were a lot of very talented, skillful, pe professional people. And uh, I said, um, there must be other nominations and nobody said anything at all. So I found myself um, uh, the first chairman of the trust and um, I only did it for a year and I re deliberately resigned because um, I discovered um, that we, um, 
were having, yeah, and that's another story I won't go into in detail, but we were having to make some of our um, uh, staff redundant. And um, they were, sadly, they were people who'd been volunteers who were then required by the club to uh, receive payment. And of course, when they got laid off, they, they you know, they didn't take it terribly well. So, um, and I, I had a conflict of interest, really, because I couldn't be alongside people who were, uh, you know, being made redundant and still be actually behind the making them redundant, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, we learned a lot in those two years. And um, the first board meeting, I always remember somebody, uh, somebody said, um, well, it's the first thing you've got to do. Um, there's a meeting of the chairman of everybody in, the, in Division 2 in those days. Uh, there's a meeting of chairman um, that uh, we have to send a representative to, somebody from the board. And uh, so, uh, so I, I, I said, um, oh, when's, when's the meeting? They, they said um, uh, nine o'clock tomorrow morning in Chester. So we had to go, we had to go around the room trying to persuade somebody to, and somebody went actually. He wasn't, he, he was, I think, I think he said somebody worked Again, the name's gone, but we used to work for Barclays Bank. But anyway, he, he did a competent job, and uh, and we had, you know, we we struggled. And as you you all know, I mean, this is history, really. But we, um, uh, unfortunately, a lot of fans walked away, and um, above all, some of our best players walked away as well, which was yeah. So you know, gradually we the slide started, and then of course, um, we we were. Put back into the not southern the uh, the uh, conference and uh, although we survived there, I think two years, didn't we? And we had a bit, of, a bit of excitement. I think we had a game against Oxford United. We nearly got to the playoffs, I think. But then we were. Um, I just put something on the forum today, actually, because I don't know whether you you won't certainly be there, but uh, or, or but you might have been, but you might not remember, but. Um, uh, this um, next month is the tenth anniversary of AFC RD, isn't it? And um, um, yeah, there was a, um, I did. I didn't. I, the question I've asked is, when was the first meeting at the Pemberton Centre? I wasn't able to go to that. I've got in my diary. I think the yeah. second meeting, which I can distinctly remember at Warns, which was on the twenty sixth of May, but I think it was a meeting before that when. Um, uh, the chairman was elected and so on, and we've been going since then. But the meeting for the Pemberton Centre when it all started was actually the first of July um, that year. Oh, oh, it was after May. Yeah, it was oh. later in the year. Um, but then we had all those meetings at Rawns after that. Um, subsequently, but it was it was always the first of July because I think that was the um, that was the point when I think we had the um, there was the meeting with um, the second meeting with Keith Cousins in the in the Kimberley um, on the 22nd of June, which is what ultimately triggered, the reaction from that is what ultimately triggered and spurred people on to set up AFC Russian and Diamonds and actually was spearheaded by Save RDFC. And it was oh, the- Oh yes, I remember that. That was in the Kimberley suite, that meeting was- That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it, was, it wasn't until the 1st of July that they had the meeting because that, that was the uh, um, meeting when the fans who were there voted on the name, which was AFC Russian and Diamonds. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. and to enter the Northampton Senior Youth League at the time, which was a... That's right, I just couldn't remember the not... name. I knew, it was, I knew it was a youth league, but yeah. Yeah. Thursday, that... Thursday nights we used to play, didn't we, in those days? That's it. I think we were the best supported youth team in the country at, the, at that point. I think at what for one point. 
Oh yes, yes. I mean, it was. A, I mean, some of those teams we played, they were absolutely amazed, weren't we? I sort of had yeah. a. Um, <laughs> I, I remember. I remember that cup match that we played against um, Cleveland Juniors. I mean, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. I think there was about two thousand people there. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, those, was, are the, those was, are the days. Yeah, there was an article in four four two at the time. I remember double page spread on the um, on, on diamonds. You know, setting up the new club and um, it's it saying it was the best supported um, youth youth team in the in the country. Something That's like right, I was yeah. reading it. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it brings back lots of good memories, doesn't it? And it just shows how fast you know the time has gone since then as well. But it's it's coming well, up to yes. ten yeah. years. It's it. I mean, in a way, it seems. I, I don't know about you, but it seems longer than ten years to me. Um, but um, it was, and then there was all that uh, uh, all that long period beforehand. And um, although what happened with our, our um, uh, the Russian diamonds is very sad. Um, it was uh, there was a lot of um, ha- happiness about it, and a lot of pleasure, and uh, I mean the Leeds United game and all that, and the um, Sheffield United Cup match as well when they beat us. Uh, but um, a lot of um, huge fun, really, and um, uh, you know nobody can take that away from us. And uh, above all, a lot of lessons to learn from it, really, and. Um, uh, my only regret, in a way, is that um, more people um, didn't uh, a come on board and b support us. Because even now, I still meet people who, um, you know, say to me, "Oh, you're the vicar than Russian and diamonds." I say, "Well, I'm not actually, but I I know what you mean." But um, oh yes, I used to go to Nen Park. They said, and I said, "Well, why did you start to watch games too?" But you know, they the um, you know the so-called plastic fans. And um, sadly, everybody. And you, do you remember? I, not were any of you at the um, the playoff final at um, in Cardiff? No, um, that was um, that was fascinating because um, I was always. I mean, all my family went, and we were living in Burton Asthma then, back in Burton Asthma. Uh, but a huge number of people I met there who, who lived in Burton Asthma, who weren't particular diamonds fans but you know it was a it was a big occasion and um as we drove along the uh, the m5 always remember the big signs up which said um you know junction uh, junction four um cheltenham town and um junction five russian diamonds fans and when we got in the state i think there were i think there were thirty five thousand um cheltenham fans and all the people that we took only amounted to 17,000, <laughs> which made us realise, of course, that we live in a fairly uh, po- lowly populated part of the country. You've uh, touched on it before, Roger, but the um, the pastoral care and support that the chaplaincy team offers, it's so important. But with the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic has had, not, has had on a lot of people's mental health and well-being, how even more vital has that pastoral care and support become you know, have the chaplaincy team had more people come forward and seek help over the last year? Well, um, I I can't say there's been a huge number, and um, I I suppose um, you know we we might have hoped for more. I've had um, various contact, and they've usually been by telephone as well. But um, and um, 
one of the things that um, uh, I would have liked to have been able to do really, and perhaps it's you know our laziness. Um, uh, would uh, would could we? I mean, we put there's something on the website as you may know, which offers our phone numbers and so on. But um, whether we ought to have uh, invested more in um, articles and things like that, and um, the the main thing which is still I'm still looking forward to uh, kickstarting really is that um, in the uh, uh, in the last season the last active season um, we'd had um, I set up a, a group of people who had I think three meetings we had at Hayden Road uh, with the idea of setting up a um, a well-being cafe you know drop in one of these drop in places and. Um, uh, I got together um, a group in the club um, called, uh, which is open to everybody actually, but the chaplains and um, uh, the, Robin, the guy who's had to resign, Robin Croxon, who um, has a daughter who's qualified in teaching uh, people about mental health basics. Um, and uh, so we, we, we set all that up and uh, the we've got there's about 12 people on the list and i invited people such as the chaplains the um anybody who showed an interest uh people like um uh the people who like run the uh, uh rod who stadium manager um people stewards um uh turnstile staff people like that and uh, I even came uh, uh, came up uh, somebody I hadn't met before, actually a retired GP, and um, so a group of people, people like Judith Coton and people like that, and um, we um, we got together and um, we've got this plan to um, open up a drop-in cafe at Hayden Road, which is basically for uh, people associated with the club and ben, ben farrell although ben's gone now isn't he but ben backed yeah. it as well yeah. um so it's like a drop-in center uh, uh with not not alcohol but tea and coffee and um you know activities and walking groups and that sort of thing or even just to talk about football because i think there's quite a lot of people in ours and every club uh, often men who are sometimes uh, single as well, who just want to go somewhere just to be, you know, get rid of their loneliness and to talk about football, which, um, you know, some, some of us can do ad nauseum. And um, so we're still keen to do that. And um, the stage we're at the moment, it was all stymied by the uh, the closure of the ground. But, um, and I, I'm, uh, trying to persuade Russian Heim United because they, uh, as we, we want to try and avoid having to pay for it above anything else, and hopefully they would come in with it. And I mean, they've got quite an orientation, I think, to sort of, um, you know, have, have it using the social purposes there. So, so that's the big, the big thing for the future, really. Which um, I hope the, uh, the the club is going to back and um, and people in the club. Uh, we also had. Um, on board, we had again. She's left now, but Holly. You remember Holly Hurst, the the physio, yeah, uh, who I was sort of um, uh, persuading about the importance of um, you know that being linked with a, the chaplaincy. And uh, uh, I, I said, you know, whilst you're at Diamonds, of course, but when you eventually end up at Spurs or wherever, um, I don't know where she uh, caught to that, but. 
but um, you know that it's uh, care for people. And uh, so that these people I invited to take part in this are the people who are um, uh, show a, a care or are willing to listen and uh, care for people within the diamonds family, but um, uh, beyond what goes on on the pitch, because most of us are obsessed with what goes on on the pitch on a Saturday afternoon, aren't we? But there's a life outside that. And as, as Chris Hope so famously said, you know, there are more, um, no, it's Bill Shankly actually who made that silly remark about, you know, uh, some things, um, uh, football is even more important than life and death, really, which, you know, is actually not true, but he, you know, he, he, he's uh, been remembered for saying it. And, uh, Come forward, that was Hackett's touch, and Collins, well, a superb finish by Darren Collins, and the Diamonds take the lead four minutes before half-time. Look at that, Hackett's touch into Collins' path, and he took that past Taylor. Nice finish by Collins, and that's exactly what they wanted. A goal just before half-time, the perfect moment to score, and we can see this again, Taylor's touch, nice, uh, nicely taken down by Collins, and the right-footed finish, absolutely superb into the corner. Well, and that's uh, rubbing Kettering fans' noses in it, right in front of them. Collins taking the plaudits, and it seems he's found his uh, scoring form. We talk about mental health, obviously, um, obviously the support you have given players over the years, even those ones which um, the ones which came in, which were bored in, if you like, when they obviously were when we had an academy which was a professional, uh, you know, professional setup. So you had players coming probably from all over the place away from home, from parents and that at quite a young age yeah, um, in a part of the country where they've not probably not been to or and with people they might not know that well. Um, could you, uh, I mean, I mean, that was probably a good example where things deteriorated. Could you take us back to um, um, what happened with Dale um, and obviously your role in that because I understand you were quite, you were on the scene quite. Yes, well, well my, was my role was, um, uh, I, I mean, again, it was quite dramatic, really. I was, um, I think we were playing, um, was it Eastwood Town? I think we were playing in. Yeah, the, it was. Yeah, that was it. And it was um, the, yeah. um, the, the, they were, the players were travelling up the M1, I think. And um, uh, I, I had a meeting on in the evening, I think, so I couldn't actually go to the game. But um, I was driving back. I moved to back to Burton Atom in those days, uh, fairly recently. And uh, I was driving back some uh, Higham, where I was based church-wise. And um, the um, uh, just as I was coming out, I was in Higham Vicarage. Just as I was coming out, my mobile rang, and it was um, actually it was after Simon Parcell left. It was who was the, the the physio who followed him, a guy who'd been at Cobblers. Henry, wasn't it? Um, I can't remember what his last name was. was it something called Henry. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, doesn't. But anyway, he phoned me and said um, and told me what had happened and said that they. Uh, the game had been called off, understandably, and they were turning the coach round and coming back to the ground. And um, their ETA was, a, you know, about an hour later. And could I be there to meet the players? So um, I was able, I was able to get back. And when they arrived, um, I was, and we were all in the strikers' bar for about um, oh, a couple of hours or more. 
and um, I mean the, the the players were in a real really terrible state and um, uh, just Justin Edinburgh you know as well he was uh, the gaffer then and uh, so I, I talked to them and listened to them and um, we had a bottle of beer together and all paid for by the club and um, even in those straightened times and um, uh, and then um, uh, uh, Justin said would I come in in the next morning and um, so I went in uh, uh, when, they, when they all met for training or before they met for training. And um, so we, we had another session in the, um, uh, in the changing room and um, they asked me to uh, say a prayer and uh, talk to them a bit. And um, I can always remember, who was our, uh, oh dear, sorry, my name, um, our captain, who you'll all remember his name, he came from Gillingham. Um, Jamie Stewart. Sorry, uh, Jamie Stewart. No, no, no. Uh, like the uh, Chris Hope. Chris Hope. Oh, Chris Hope. Yeah. 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 Chris. And uh, Chris, I mean, Chris was a very experienced pro, as you know. And I think he t he's still around in the area. He lives in Thrapston, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think he. Te I think he. Te somebody told me he teaches teaches his child at some um, Kim Bolton school. Anyway, Chris, very experienced guy, and uh, I always remember Chris when I walked in the room. He said, "He said now, um, he said now, look, he said to all, you know, like the senior pro that he, well, he was the club captain, wasn't he?" And he said, um, "Now he said, uh, he said, I want you to listen to this." He said, "Whatever you thought about before, and however, uh, however much you despise God and religion, and however much you think God is to blame," he said. Um, uh, there are more important things than football. So listen to the Rev. And they all shut up. And, you know, the, I had a total silence for, you know, a few minutes. And uh, something I've never, ever had in church. <laughs> yeah. Nor would I want, incidentally. <laughs> no. And then, yes, and then just to finish off the story of Dale, um, I... Um, uh, I then, uh, after that session, I then went into the ground and um, you may remember that for some, in some way, the uh, somebody climbed over and got into the ground and when, yeah, the, when the club, when the ground was opened up, perhaps you were one of them, but uh, when, <laughs> it, when, when, when they got in, the, the, the goal at the, uh, the Dale, Dale's end, you know, was, um, was all decorated with scarves and... Um, Throughout, I was I spent most of the more, most of the day there. I think really, all the all the time there were people coming in signing the book of remembrance and um, uh, you know wanted to talk and uh, and so we all shared that together and um, uh, and that was that was on the day and then um, later on in the day um, I I went back because um, I was. Um, uh, I met up with Isabel and George, you know, um, Dale's parents, who I'm still in touch with, incidentally. Um, and um, so uh, I spoke to them and um, they, they, well, they, I think, I don't know whether it was then or a bit later, but we started to talk about the funeral arrangements because um, Dale came from a, um, a village called um, Horden, a, a former pit village up on the... Um, uh, sorry, uh, uh, sorry, 
northeast. Some, is it probably some yeah, some... yeah, just south of, of Sunderland. Yeah. And um, he he was, uh, I mean, very much from a football family and um, a very good friend of the, who was the guy who played in Manchester City, the guy who got into trouble, went to prison. Adam uh, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, uh, the Johnsons and the, the Roberts were, were and still are a sort of family friends. You used to go on holiday together. And Isabel, Dale's mum, I mean, she's the life and soul of this village, really. She's the, I think, the chairman of the parish council. She bakes all the cakes and all the rest of it. Anyway, um, that just to finish this part, this bit, um, she, um, uh, she, she and George uh, said um, uh, they'd like me to have some part in the funeral service when the funeral took place, and it was... Because this all happened in December, and the funeral was, I think, in the first few days of January, and um, so I was um, I was asked to get in touch with their vicar up there, and um, I um, uh, I did that, and he he said, well, you know, would I would I could I come up to it? And I said, yeah, and I I travelled on the team on the coach with all the players, and. Um, and then took part in the service, which was absolutely packed. It was, um, I had to persuade the vicar, who didn't know any of that, anything about football, that um, it was quite normal and, and acceptable. And I, I said out people would want it. So I wore my clerical robes and then I wore a, a diamond scarf over the top, which I do at funerals anyway, if I'm asked to. And uh, so I, I took part in that. And... Um, I've never seen a funeral, such a full church because a lot. He was a very well-known local lad, and of course, he, the whole story had made the national press, hadn't it? And um, yeah. yeah, I remember on the, I remember on, I think it was the uh, the Sunday after he died, uh, in the BBC, you know, the Sports Personality of the Year, Dale Roberts actually appeared on the captions at the end, uh, which um, you know uh, surprised some of us, but. But the, uh, the the place was full, and um, some of our players, some of his mates, carried the coffin. I'd never seen such a haunted look on some of those young lads. Really, I mean, it was sometimes for some of them, it was quite a few of them. It was their first experience of of death, really, and um, they were just completely stunned. And uh, I can remember having to, when I went to go up to the pulpit to preach because it was such a full church. It was. You had to get the you know the highest position where you could see and see people, be seen and see people. Um, I had to um, push um, out of the way. Um, I think it was our chairman at the time, but it doesn't matter now. To get up the steps, you know, it was it was it was that packed. And then of course we went to the um, uh, uh, to the because he, he, he was buried in a cemetery nearby. So that was another trip um, in the in the coach. And then back to uh, um, in the sort of working men's club where there was um, uh, uh, continuous eating and drinking for another four or five hours. And um, the coach eventually set off to come back home um, at about, oh, I think it was about six o'clock. So um, I, I remember I left home here at um, six o'clock in the morning. I got home at 9.30 at night. Uh, and... Um, and the players, um, well, it was fascinating the um, the amount of beer that they stopped up on on the way back. It was absolutely, and then of course we kept up, kept, kept having to stop at every service station because they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
so so it was anyway it was it was i could i tried to identify with the players and um i think it was uh, and uh, i i was um interviewed and uh, i've been interviewed a lot since then by things like radio cobblers radio northampton sorry and um uh, over about you know my experience of what happened and um um i um i must admit i never ever expected to appear in name not in picture on page three of the sun but i did because there was a report there and my yeah. name was mentioned <laughs> <laughs> it's good it's great as well though that you know i still i mean isabel and george uh, you, i don't you've probably met them but i mean they yeah. they still come down every year don't they and um and yeah. they've got a lot of friends and they're linked on facebook with people like glennis and uh people like that and uh they so they really feel uh but and do you remember that i think that first cup game that dale roberts cup we played against dale's team didn't we uh, yeah, yeah, yeah um i have to double was check it, one of the names, yeah, that was cleveland juniors wasn't it yeah remember the name yeah and uh, I think since then we've played a lot against different teams, haven't we? Because it's a long way for them to come. But yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. You know, I mean, we talk we talk about a legend, don't we? But I mean, that that's how it all came about in a way. And um, it it had uh, it stunned an awful lot of people. And um, uh, I suppose in a way, it sort of kicked off all the mental health stuff, which we then had. Uh, I mean, Ben, as you know, Ben Farrell sort of went public, didn't he, a, a while ago on Instagram, didn't he? That's it, yeah, uh, last year. I mean, I, I personally am um, pleased that I'm, and I know how it came about. But I mean, the fact that um, on our shirt we've got the Mind Charity is, yeah. um, you know, ironic, really, but entirely appropriate. And um, you know, gr uh, credit to those who brought that about. That save would become ever so much more important as a huge hoof from the returning Joe Merrill made its way into Russ Dunkley. He was hauled down probably unnecessarily by Chamberlain and the reliable Matty Gearing stepped up to slot home the penalty for what would turn out to be the winner for Diamonds in the 93rd minute. As things start to open up in the, um, as think, uh, in terms of lockdown and that, and hopefully sooner rather than later we can get back to um, attending matches and attending matches safely, um, it probably shows how important non um, football, particularly non-league football, when there is that social aspect, which obviously we've um, which has been missing well during lockdown, how much how big that can play, as, uh, how big a role that could play in people's mental health. As we yeah. get back to normal, I think it's probably one thing from us. It's just it's important to encourage people to attend matches when it's safe to actually renew that sort of like social um, socialising and yeah. get to know people and actually have that real community, especially as we go forward um, post um, COVID. Yeah. Yes, I think that's um, that's vital, and um, I mean, I I personally have missed the because um, I I. I go to watch the game, but um, the social part of it is um, is very important for me. And I've made a huge number of friends um, uh, through my link with Diamonds over over this um, you know twenty five years really. And um, who would have thought that you know it would have de developed in this way? But um, 
And in many ways, I think um, where we're situated, I mean, we're perhaps only there temporarily, but Hayden Road is actually in a part of Rushton where there's probably as, as many, as greater needs as anybody. I mean, there's a lot of people live round about the ground, isn't there, really? And um, whether they're, whether they're um, football fans or not, um, I think, and you know, we've, we've, from the day one with the Trust, we've always been, well, day one from Max Griggs, really, we've always been, um, uh, uh, we aimed and claimed to be uh, a community club, and the community includes everybody, even if they don't like football. And um, to have somewhere where people could be welcome to go and to receive um, either somebody to listen to them or somebody to help them, or um, and um, uh, I mean, there's even uh, and this is thinking out loud, but there's even um, and for not least if we ever have a new ground. Uh, you know, that, uh, and it happened at Nen Park to some extent. Um, if you have a good social centre, it's also can be a source of income as well. Not, not that's the reason why you should do it, but, um, you know, somewhere like Hayden Road, which is sort of uh, on the street, as it were, um, you know, people, um, I, I, I don't think we, there are many bookings there and it's not directly connected with us, but it's something for the future and it's something that, um, organizations like mind um you know very much part of and uh, because they're they're members of the community and uh, mind is is i know a very good charity with you know branches all over the place and uh, mental health as you as you know is um a huge issue um and um is, is dr dramatically underfunded and has been for years and um it's quite interesting even when you're uh, even many GPs admit that they've had uh, very little training in um, uh, in dealing with mental health. And um, so, you know, it needs to be encouraged across the board, really. And uh, I hope that we diamonds may be able to play a, a part in doing that. And uh, it's much more than just wearing the shirt. But wearing the shirt is a good way of publicising it. Well, Roger, we're just coming to the end of uh, the podcast. Thanks so much once again for coming on. It's been great to hear some of your amazing stories. Um, just one more thing before we go. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they'd ever like your support with anything? Uh, they can either. It depends on how, how they want to do it, really. But um, I'm, I've got, I'm happy to give out both my phone numbers, which is... Um, do you want me to say that now? Or, I mean, it's on the website, but... Uh, are, yeah, well, it's... Um, uh, um, landline is 01536 669 618. Uh, mobile, which is probably easier, is 07864 877 939. And by email, Roger Knight41 at outlook.com. And uh, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and um, my colleagues, uh, the way we work within the chaplaincy team is that, um, although I don't mind people speaking to uh, my, my colleagues who they know anyway, um, normally people come to me and I sort of point them in the in the right direction, or uh, you know, um, uh, and then, you know, if it's somebody with a particular thing that somebody might help them with, or somebody with a a particular contact from where they uh, where they live and so on. 
then I'm happy to do that as well. And um, this is this is an off offer. This is open to everybody who's got any association with diamonds or is a relative of somebody who's associated. So it's uh, players, staff, um, members, and fans even those who um, only started coming just before COVID started. And we hope will come in the future. Excellent. Definitely. Well, Roger, it's been a pleasure having you on today. Take care. And as I say, we look forward to seeing you again very soon back down Hayden Road. I, I look forward to seeing you. And thank you for the opportunity to do that. It, uh, it's been very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Cheers. Bye-bye.